I think everything about this podcast needs to be aggressive. Yeah, I mean, it is both a promise and a threat. So, you know, it is a threat threat that's real. The threat is real. Yeah. Well, now I have pre intro audio. Thanks, guys. (laughs) You're welcome. Hello, and welcome back to the Gay Ergos podcast, episode two. I'm Lizzie Houston, and I'm a liability. And I'm Kira O'Sullivan, and I cannot be held liable for anything that Lizzie Houston says or does during this podcast. With us today, our guest of the week, John Olbreece. John, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello. Uh, I guess in the same vein of your introductions, my name is John Olbreece, and I'm a walking double entendre. It's great. We love it. (laughs) Oh, nice. (laughs) That's beautiful. Um, Yeah. Would you like to, uh, do you care to elaborate on that? Uh, you know, it can be wherever you want your mind to take it. It's, it is whatever, you know, it's, Fabulous. yeah, we just live double entendres in our daily lives, bad dad jokes. Like they're all, they're hidden meanings everywhere. Yeah. And what is yeah, the gay agenda if not pushing hidden meanings, right? This is true. This is very true. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I love that. Beautiful. John, <laughs> where are you recording today? Um, I am currently in one of the towns just outside of Sacramento, California. Um, I'm out here for the week so I can go and visit uh, with my parents' family, um, but currently staying with some friends of mine, uh, one of them a longtime college friend from the Coast Guard Academy. Oh, nice. That's yeah. awesome. I would love to hear, yeah, yeah. Um, hear what that Wi-Fi password is as we are recording as heathens today. Oh, yes. Um, so I'm connected to a network wherein the password is Jesus is the reason number four this season, uh, which is pretty great. Also, I think that's left up year round. I think that is not just a seasonal password. It's like um, so that's uh, my uh, my dad unironically used to leave up the uh, keep Christ in Christmas bumper sticker up on his car. Mm-hmm. Um not that we've ever been particularly religious, but I think in his old age, I don't want to say old, but yeah, his old age, um, he's become a little bit more um, dad, like really big dad now. Um, yeah. Needless to say, my brothers and I did pull that thing off immediately as soon as we saw it. It was, yeah. Mm-mm. So in the same vein, but I, yeah, that is so fascinating. You mean to say that you don't have one of those on your car currently? Actually, I have one on my fridge. So I could see it every day. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, my my fridge. I'm hoping to have a plethora of Christmas cards on it soon. I got, nice. I got one of my friend's dog that I'm very happy about, and then Gunny and I are sending out our Christmas cards. Which Kira, you should be getting it in the mail soon. Listen, I think people gays sending Christmas cards with their pets is the gay agenda. It is the gay. Yeah. I think that's it. John, when are you getting a pet yeah. so that you can send us Christmas cards? I mean, girl, I got plants, you know, we can just take pictures of the various plants. We are, Dave and I are definitely plant gays, so. Oh, wait, can you please do that? I would love, like, you caressing a snake plant. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, well, the real, the personality in our apartment is the Thai basil that is, like, Dave has a a three-pod arrow garden, and the Thai basil is straight up, like, full diva mode, pushing all the other plants out of the way, stealing all the sunlight, literally taking the spotlight. That's, and wow. it's like, I've, I've had a conversation with Dave, like the little plant in the middle, this little, like this little leafy greenlet, it's getting so crowded out. It's not going to grow. It's just going to die. Wow. Thai basil <laughs> is really so a homosexual. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's truly, yeah. That's some like Scorpio energy. Do you know her her uh, sign? Yeah. What is the what is your plant sign? Uh it might be a Leo, Ooh. maybe. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You know. I would consider myself a Leo cusp sometimes, but then the ADHD in me um and like the need for organization and particular patterns. Uh, that just could be a mental illness. You never know. But um <laughs> that is truly, I guess, the Virgo energy in me. Scorpios and I don't generally oh, vibe. God. I know I'm a Virgo. Isn't that terrifying? I'm also a Virgo. No, you're not. We didn't Let's discuss go. this. We haven't discussed John, this yet. What's your sign? I'm a Capricorn. Oh, oh okay. We we mend well with you. This makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I like Capricorn. Yeah. Capricorns yeah, yeah. and I don't I think we don't vibe romantically, but friendship-wise, fabulously. Same with Aries. I love, mm-hmm. love, love, love being friends with Aries, but there's never any like zhuzh. There's no, mm, no spark. Right. Yeah. Right. I love a Scorpio. Well, I have, I'm cutting you off, Lizzie. <laughs> okay. I have a very important question. You, you talked about your partner a little bit, John. Can you tell us more? Yeah. So uh, he is a middle school science teacher. He is both a, he has a chemistry undergrad and graduate degree. So anything, anytime I open my mouth and say something even tangentially related to like uh, something that could be conceived as scientific, immediately fact checked. Like I have, I have a walking, like I have a scientist living, like living with me. um, And it is humbling to say the least like I don't know anything about science and and what's more is after spending a full year of lockdown where he was doing remote teaching last year um I kind of joke but kind of don't joke that I learned about as much science as his middle schoolers did which is like zero (laughs) so that's (laughs) I can tell you that I was reminded of the word alleles and I know that that has something to do with DNA and wow that's it yeah Yep. We're actually a science gay podcast now. Yes. (laughs) As John wears his NASA shirt, do you do you have to wear science themed stuff around the house all the time? And does he have to wear rowing stuff all the time? Like it's just the flip of the roles. I mean, actually, there's no effort with him having to wear rowing stuff all the time because his uh, second his side hustle, if I may, is uh he works for the sparks camp uh company oh okay as their chief of operations so Very he cool. is uh tang- as i like to say tangentially affiliated with rowing and he rode when he was at ucsd so like he gets it um and he gets the whole life and we have a lot of mutual friends which is actually how i met um kira so it's really cool because like we go to you know we go to big regattas like head of the charles or he has camps in philly um around the time that like independence day regatta is going on and so we just kind of like see these people and we meet up and we're crossing paths and it's not it's not like you know you're dragging somebody to a rowing event who just doesn't care about rowing um because he is invested in it um in a in a very different way from being an athlete or a coach which is pretty cool that's awesome did you meet because of rowing or did you just happen to fall into each other's paths along the way of life um you could say it was like a falling into each other's paths on the way of life uh vis-a-vis grinder um <laughs> nice in as much as- i would love to actually unpack uh-huh. the male dating apps oh my um, god 
if you can shed some light on those i i mean obviously i'm not familiar with them right and i don't kira i don't think you're familiar with them um you know i only have a few i feel like like male gay friends so i i mean my experience is like hinge and tinder and formerly bumble that i just don't like to deal with anymore because i think that interface is stupid um but yeah can Mm -hmm. you we are not sponsored. We are by not Bumble. sponsored by Bumble at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not sponsored. You know, I'm not sponsored by any app because I'm still single. So, oh, mm, oh, I know, I know, I am a liability. Remember, it all ties back into that one thing: liability. <laughs> I digress. John, please, please shed some light on your grinder experience and how you met your boo. Uh, so I think grinder can be best described uh a friend of mine once said that if you don't leave a an interaction inspired by grinder uh feeling disgusting that you're doing it wrong and that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of it it's like it is salacious it's horrible it's incredibly toxic um it's everything that you don't want in a social interaction that is enabled by the anonymity of like an online chat room uh and it's like you know, it, it's basically people saying hi and then sending pictures of their buttholes. This is the second literal social interaction. I love it. Or like a dick pic. <gasps> and it's it's so sociopathic and yet somehow still works. I would do great it's on like, Grindr. It's, it's outrageous. It truly is. Yeah. Well, I, I have a question. So when you go to like big regattas, like mm-hmm. I remember my straight friends being like, oh, I have to reactivate my Tinder. Like, everyone's here i need to see who's on is that the same thing for like oh yeah grinder yeah yeah interesting um so before before dave and i were together at head of the charles especially like i would pull up pull up grinder in the middle of the like the festival area and like see who's close by um the funny thing is though that because the internet is always trash at head of the charles because everybody is using their phones like Mm -hmm. it just wouldn't work (laughs) and even if you got really far away there were so many people presumably who were on it that it just like it was non-functional so it was like like the whole regatta tinder thing is real um (laughs) which was confirmed by a friend of mine uh at olympic trials earlier this year but like oh my god it's such a mess (laughs) it's so messy you just had to go on tinder at ned's and then you're like oh i see them in the corner they're gay great sounds good swipe (laughs) shuffle on over cupid shuffle yeah <laughs> cupid shuffle on it i just i can have nightmares of you cupid shuffling towards me lizzie oh my god <laughs> i am so bad at dancing but i love to do it so catch me at a club cafe every couple fridays running into all of bu 130 and scurrying right out <laughs> it's very scary how is so how's the um you're located in dc normally do you find yeah. um What's the rowing community like down there? I've actually never experienced it. Um, I've only spent time up here in Boston and down in Philly um, and obviously New York, which is where I'm from. And Kira, you're from yeah. Philly. So I, I assume that you've kind of had similar experiences to myself. Um, yeah, John, tell us about the, your experience kind of just as a, as a rower in general down in DC. And then, you know, how does, how does your queerness kind of tie into it? Sure. Um, so it's a, uh... When I was moving to DC from Baltimore, um, I was looking at a team to row for, and the 
there is an LGBTQ team that exists on the east side of the city on the Anacostia River called DC Strokes. Um, and I have quite a few friends who are on that team. Um, and so I was looking at joining them or a program that shares their boathouse uh, in the Anacostia Community Boathouse Capital Rowing Club or Potomac Boat Club. Um, Potomac has always had like a reputation for uh, building fast rowers and they have a good high performance program. Um, so it was really a question of when I go to a, a program, am I looking more for community or am I looking to get fast? Um, because as much as I love DC strokes, their reputation is not one of like building fast crews. Um, they do have fast crews sometimes, but their focus is not on like sending people to trials, if I may. So that's like, that was kind of the breakdown is do I want to take rowing super seriously or do I want to have fun with rowing and pursue like masters rowing with a good team? Um, so I chose Potomac cause I really wanted to, to dig in and see um, how fast I could get and how far I could take rowing, um, which I really actually enjoyed doing. The, the downside is that when I showed up um, and kind of a little bit still, Potomac had a really bad reputation in the area. Like I knew walking into it that Potomac was like that team, you know, uh, like, so it was kind of, uh, I was a little hesitant about showing up to a place that had a like a not super great reputation regionally. Um, but I found that like the, the team very quickly uh, or the club itself, because there are multiple teams underneath the one umbrella. Um, the club is a lot of fun. And the, the couple of bad eggs that we had that were like giving the club that bad reputation um, were not at all representative of the majority of the people that I found within the club's walls. Um, so it's been super fun since joining and, you know, there have been a lot of coaches who have come and gone, um, and a lot of new members because DC is such a transient city that you've got people who come into DC for work and then they leave. And sometimes they maintain a membership or sometimes they're, you know, gone forever and they, they separate. Um, but it's such a, a pleasant rowing environment and it's really cool to be on the river um, especially with all of the programs that row out of Thompson's Boat Club right down the river from us, um, where I've built a lot of friendships with some of the coaches there too. Um, so like being out on the river and seeing friends in the morning and just waving and being stupid and like shouting. And I've got inside jokes with a, a bunch of different people. So as I see them, like just, just shouting good morning at them as the sun is rising behind the Washington Monument or the Lincoln Memorial. And it's just like, it's super cool. It's super picturesque. Uh, the river is, um, especially in the wintertime, like super rowable because it's, uh, it just lays down flat and it's, it's just like, I don't know, it's a nice spot to row, you know, it's, uh, the community is pretty small and pretty tight knit. And we, especially over the past few years have been working really hard to make it more of a, um, like to open up the, the channels of communication and be more, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like just more, more cooperative with how we show the river um, and making sure that everybody's like safe and having a good time and able to train the way that they want to train and making sure that we're not like running over each other or um, acting like it's our river and trying to just be good stewards of the river and the space itself, which has been really great. No, that is great. So I think kind of going off of that, you know, idea of space, right? Have you found it to be a pretty queer and open friendly space 
you know, for you or in, in general, what, what's kind of the vibe down there as far as being a, a queer rower? Uh, so Potomac is like, I hadn't really thought about my queerness in the context of rowing while I was at Potomac because it's not something that is brought up in a negative way. Um, like there are a couple of out gay uh, or queer people who are at Potomac and we're all just kind of like, we all just exist. Um, and there's some of my favorite people on the planet, uh, but it's not like, it's not something that's ever used against us or ever brought up in a derogatory way. Um, and actually in the wake of the, the George Floyd protests um, last June, we had a DNI council that got stood up and I volunteered to be a part of that. Um, and one anecdote was brought up by somebody about and like a single instance of transphobia that happened in one of the, like the team group chats. Um, and apparently people ran in and like stomped that out right away. Um, so it was really nice to hear that there were people who were advocating on behalf of queers um, at the boathouse without, you know, having it need to be one of the queers who exists in the boathouse. Um, like the, our teammates are all like, they see us and then they acknowledge that we're there and that we're people and that there is a, uh, like an inherent humanity with us because we're all like, we're all people at the end of the day. And that, you know, othering these people who may not be like the cishet folks who row at the boathouse um, is unacceptable and it makes for a, a not just like a bad environment to exist in, but a bad environment to train in. Um, and it doesn't make fast crews and it doesn't make for a, a pleasant, um, pleasant place to, to show up at five 30 in the morning when you're exhausted, <laughs> kind of don't want to be around people anyway, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, that's a, that's yeah. a wonderful point. I, I like the goal of this podcast too, for me is not just to shed light on the, you know, our community members, you know, rowing community, queer community as a whole kind of coming together, but also, you know, we are just people. And although, you know, being queer is big to our, at least for me, it's big to my identity. Um, at the end of the day, you're right, we are people. And I, I love that that's kind of the environment that, you know, sheds the light, you know, that Potomac is clearly shedding a light on for you that you just show up and you exist and you go home to your partner who is, you know, the same as a straight you know, your straight teammate who just goes home to their partner. I, that's, right. that's kind of it's so wonderful. And I love that, you know, it's, it's becoming easier for people to share. I think maybe it's just as I get older and people are just becoming more comfortable with themselves. Um, you know, it's cool to listen to people just go, Oh, my wife or my girlfriend or my husband, you know, things like that. I think that's been really amazing to watch as I've, I've grown up in, you know, my community and, like it was, it was hard to come out at 19, 20 years old. Kira, I don't know what your experience right. was like, but I've definitely noticed and, and I've seen it and I acknowledge that it's, it's really an incredible feat. And I think that it is just because maybe we're just growing up and getting older, but that experience of, of people kind of in different generations coming in and crossing, crossing paths. And, you know, there obviously are people who don't necessarily like it in the older generations, but there also are those really right. cool hippie people that are like, yeah, free love, let's go do your thing. And so I think just finding that cross yeah. and, and all of those communities has been really wonderful to see. And I'm, I'm excited to kind of get to know more, more queers in our community and their experiences, but 
yeah, this is amazing to, to hear about. And um, thanks for sharing that experience. Um, but I, we'll, uh, we'll segue into our, our next section of it. So John, you are a coastal rower. Can you talk to yeah. us about coastal rowing? Yeah, so my biggest regret about coastal rowing actually is that uh, I can no longer complain about choppy conditions on rivers <laughs> or waves, <laughs> you know? Well, to be fair, not all boats are built for that. Shameless plug for Wintech You're Racing, right. coastal rowing boats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's super cool, though. And I, I got into it because a friend of mine, uh, John Huppy, down at New Orleans Rowing Club, saw that trials was happening for World Rowing Beach Sprint uh, finals. So the U.S. was fielding a national team for the very first time this year. Um, and he called me up and he was like, Hey, there's only one entry in the quad event and late entries are allowed. So do you want to jump in this boat? And I was like, do I need to train for it? It's in like a week or two. And he was like, no, no, you're good. Just show up. And I was like, okay, cool. And he said, also a challenge is, uh, we need another person to fill out the quad. We need a lady because it's a mixed quad. So do you know anybody who went to Olympic trials earlier this year who has like all of the U S rowing credentials and everything filled out? And can just do it. And I was like, uh, yeah, let me ask a few people. So I asked a few people at PBC. Um, and I also asked Christine Cavallo, who is a total stranger when I reached out to her, like I literally had only ever talked to her at trials earlier this year, just to say like, Hey, I follow you on Instagram. And we like, we've DM'd a couple times, just thought like face to a name, we'd talk, but I sent her this message and I was like, Hey, can I call with a kind of silly, but equally serious question? And she was like, sure. I love Christine. Um, <laughs> She's so wonderful. Yeah. I miss having her in Boston. Yeah. Christine, if you're listening, I miss you. We can have a, we can have you on the podcast any day, even though, even though you're not a gay, I don't think, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. We'll bring allies on. Anytime. Yeah. We're a Christine Cavallo stand yeah, account. I, yeah. yeah. I did. <laughs> I did sure, put a sure. meme with her and Michelle years ago, I think before I even met her. That's <laughs> like, I'm nice. gay. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so, so you basically cold yeah. call Christine you cold to be like, hey, me. come yeah. join us in this boat. Yeah. I was like, hey, so you just casually got second to trials this year. Do you want to be in our boat, you speedy lady? And she's like, yeah, I can fuck around. Like, we'll, we'll see what it's about. So she came down uh, and we put this quad together and we won trials, went out to uh, like, we had to find boats in the U S like, that's the crazy thing about coastal rowing right now is the infrastructure in the U S is so undeveloped for coastal rowing that there are quite literally like eight quads in the whole United States, a couple of them on the West coast. I don't know about that. A couple in- <laughs> I think I've got a few for you in stock. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Just throw them our way. We're happy to have them. All right, put me some uh, cash, man. So insane, though. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but but we. This is not a sales call, Lizzie. Get out. <laughs> I love my. Yeah, job. but we I uh, do. we went up to, so we Christine was in the process of training up for world champs um, at at uh, what I now refer to as Flatwater Nationals um, in the summertime. Excellent before world championships got canceled and the trials at Flatty Natty's also then got canceled. Um, but then because she was training up for that, we had to find a person to fill in for. So uh, my teammate at PBC, Margo, um, jumped in and we ended up doing a like a week and a half long training camp up in Rhode Island. Um, 
where we went to borrow a coastal quad out of South Dartmouth, Massachusetts, and then drove up on one day to Hingham, Massachusetts to find another one. And we were just like trying to find the equipment where it existed and where it wasn't like broken and waiting on parts. Um, So we had a really good time just like hanging out with this guy, Ben Booth, who runs like he runs a rowing program out of a nature center in South Dartmouth. And it's literally just the coastal quad that's sitting on a a floating dock in the middle of a a national or not a national park, but like a a small park. And that's it. There's no boathouse. The oars are kept in a little locker underneath a gazebo. It's but but it's and then you like row out into this bay and there's a literally like five million dollar home that's sitting on a cliff overlooking the Long Island Sound. God, I love which is just so so ridiculous. It is such a weird sport. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but Ben has been coastal rowing forever. Um, and he, he's like super knowledgeable, knowledgeable about it. And he taught, uh, taught us like basically what we need to do when we row these coastal boats. And at one point he had us go out to where a bunch of waves were breaking and we, we caught a wave. We were like surfing on the wave and it is an incomparably cool feeling it feels kind of like if you took an erg and you tipped up like the like a, a C2 static, you tip up like the fan bit so it's sitting high and you're just falling oh back on the erg, just trying to cycle as fast as you can. You're keeping the momentum up and staying like ahead of the wave. It's so, it's so it's boat bananas. surfing. Like, I, it is boat <laughs> surfing, yeah. So yeah. Are, you, are you planning on doing it again? Is that is that your next adventure? Absolutely, nice. yes. Yeah. Nice you know, like for, for my life, my goal had been, you know, make a national team. Um, and that is like, just basically that's just it, make a national team. But we went out to beach print finals and we got bronze. And after I came back from my trip, I talked to my mom and she was like, so now that you've, you know, met your goal, you made a national team, you got a bronze, like, are you done with that? And I was like, no, I'm so much more hungry (laughs) for it now. Like, are you kidding? that's amazing jokes on you you. I ain't stopping (laughs) she's like John come home for Christmas and you're like no nope also it's a great excuse to go and hang out on the beach for three weeks are you kidding me insane yeah well congrats (laughs) yeah that's amazing yes definitely congratulations on that bronze look at you go yeah that's amazing uh, yeah thanks appreciate it yeah it was loads of fun also I think it's something that like, you know, I'm just putting this out there for the the millions of listeners who are definitely going to listen to this podcast. Um, absolutely go and try coastal rowing if you can, because it's, it's one of those things where uh, you don't need all of this infrastructure that we have in Philly and Boston and DC, um, where you have to have like a boathouse and all of this stuff. You can just have a boat and a beach awesome. and some oars and people and you slap it in the water and you go. Um, and it's, it is a super freeing, liberating, just kind of like mm-hmm. funky, different version of the sport that we all know and love and have invested so much time in. Um, and it like the lessons that you learn in coastal then apply directly back to your flat water rowing. And it's like you wouldn't even think that that would be that would be the case, but they they complement each other so well. It's super cool. That is awesome. Well, John. If, if anyone wanted to like look into coastal rowing, like where do you even begin? Um, so there are, the U.S. rowing is making moves. 
Um, they are trying to establish like a, a national training center someplace in the United States. They don't know where. Um, but right now I know that the Bear Island Aquatic Center um, out in San Francisco Bay, uh, I think on the north end of the bay, they have uh, a bunch of coastal rowing, like a big, I say a big coastal rowing presence. They have a coastal rowing presence, which is more than what most people can say. Um, but I know that the Hingham Maritime Center in Massachusetts on the south end of Buzzards Bay, they've got a, um, they've got a couple of coastal boats and small coastal rowing program. Um, and there are some coastal boats in Jacksonville, but I'm not sure who owns them. Um, but that's, that's kind of about it in the U.S. Otherwise, there are a couple of people who have private singles or doubles all over the country, um, but there's no, no access to that. So that's kind of where we are now. Um, but I think, you know, I've talked to the high performance coach at Potomac to, um, to work with the guy who coached a whole bunch of the, the U.S. squad in Barcelona, Mark Araya, um, who is like an evil genius with the way that he trained for coastal worlds, had his athletes training for it. He had in the middle of Ohio had the two single scholars take a, a coastal or a coastal single to a water park in a wave pool and had them practice boat handling skills in a wave pool in Ohio. Wow. And That's then, genius. And then the men's single scholar showed up to the time trial at world champs and set the fastest time against everybody from the middle wow. of Ohio, which is like amazing. Yeah. So that's awesome. It's super cool. Uh, but we're, you know, I asked my coach to start talking to him about thinking about ways to start doing coastal rowing training or like beach sprint training specifically. So I think there's an interest that's growing at some of the clubs that have established high performance programs. Um, now that we've had a national team go to championship and have like some level of success um, and that trials will be happening again this coming year that people will want to like train up for it and be ready for it and maybe send more crews um, to try and make a national team because any level of international racing experience is good experience. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like there is some sort some form of stigma about coastal rowing. So what, what kind of, what would you say to kind of offset that, um, you know, people's thinking when they think of coastal rowing? Um, oh my God. So the way that I described it to people when I was talking to them about it at, at Flatty Natties was it is the dumbest version of our sport. It's so, <laughs> it's so silly and unique. And it's like, you know, beach sprints, especially as a format is pretty young. Um, it started in 2015 in Europe and the U the U S only adopted it this year. Um, so it's like, we're all still figuring it out, but it's such a fresh take on like flat water rowing being so serious. And so, you know, like when you go out and you're doing piecework in the morning, you get so focused on the infinitesimally little bitty minutia of your strokes because you can, but in open water, the, like you may have your catch happen at half slide because that's when the wave takes your oar. You know, you don't get the wow. option. It's just super, huh. it's a super humbling, super interesting uh, indictment of your rowing technique, every single stroke, more so I would say than flat water racing. 
which is just how good are you at maintaining the perfect stroke over the course of 2000 meters, you know? Right. Yeah. And my coach always used to say, you, you can't control the conditions. You can only control yourself. Yeah. So yeah. And the kind of similar in that sense, if the, if the, if the water's going to take your oar <laughs> right as you come out of the recovery, like that's it. Right. And it's, it's so much more uh, than just like, you know, put your boat on the water and go too, because it, uh, a couple of people learn the hard way. Actually, a lot of people in the coastal championships learn the hard way. Um, as we were rowing out, like kind of in the Atlantic ocean near the inlet of Lisbon Harbor, um, we were rowing in this massive rip current with swells and tide and open ocean wind that you like, those aren't conditions that you ever think about when you're on a river or especially on a lake or a still body of water, you know? So it, uh, there's a guy who was in one of the chase launches, um, who is a professional sailor who apparently was saying like, none of these rowers really understand that, that this is more of a sailing event and a navigation event than it is actually like a, just a rowing race. You know, you have right, to plan right. to be able to navigate and get from the start to these eight turning buoys and then back to the finish and also be able to row. Wow. So it was really fun to watch. That's people such a challenge. Out. Yeah. It was fun to watch people like have this perfectly straight line out to the buoy but they get out to where the current is and then they got like shoved all the way over to the side. You watch their bows, like kind of come over, keeping, keeping on the buoy as they were starting to panic. But like, you'd have those one or two really smart crews who decided like, Oh, I'm going to row way the hell over to the left of the buoy, knowing that the current is going to catch me and swing me around the buoy, which is like, you'd never wow. think about that. Like on the scoople, you know, you just go with the flow of the river, whatever, stay as far away from the Island as you can, whatever. <laughs> we love the wow. milfoil. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Like that's a whole that's, other level yeah. of that I never would have thought of. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's super that cool. That is pure cool. Lewis and Clark navigation. Oh my God. It yeah, it's it's bonkers. Which they were they think Lewis just a just a little gay sidebar here. They think Lewis and Clark may have had a little love affair. Oh. They they were roommates. They mm -hmm. were roommates. Yeah, special they friends. They were roommates. Yeah special friends <laughs> they were just really really good friends guys care with the glasses tip <laughs> should we should we bring in our repeat questions let's do it now? let's do the repeats are you ready for this you ready yeah let's do all it. right let's do it so uh on television growing up um kira and i gave ours last week um we could always change it up though you never know but uh, who was your gay awakening? Oh, God. Um, oh. Okay, so there was a character in the, the show Degrassi, The Next Generation. Um, I think his name was Is that the one with Sean. Drake? Yes, it's okay. the one with Drake. <laughs> so there's this character, Sean, and I remember distinctly, like there was, so it was on like Nickelodeon um, and there was a commercial in a like that basically covered a scene where this kid like took his shirt off and he was playing basketball. And I was like shook when this guy took his shirt off. But in the commercial, there was a girl who like, as the voiceover is going while he's taking his shirt off, the girl was saying like, he took his shirt off and it felt like summer in my room. And I was like, 
that's the feeling that I've got right now. Like, that's it. Um, so that, that was definitely my gay awakening was like this, this character. Like in, summer in my room. So in my I room. love that. Yeah. That is yeah. wholesome. Yeah. I love that. Um, would you care? Would you like to take the next one? Yeah. Well, this is going to be a fun one for you. So you've got a lot of boat classes to choose yeah, from. Options. Um, mm-hmm. what's your favorite boat to row and why? You have oh, to pick one. Easily the double. Easily okay. the double. Um, okay. Flat so water double. Like, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I will say the flat water double. Um, but it's because if you find a good doubles partner and you really, really gel with that doubles partner, it's like a great relationship. Like it just that that additional layer of like a good interaction with another doubles partner just makes the boat go so much faster. It is truly free Mm. speed. You know, Um, I had a a doubles partner in Baltimore, this guy, James, who is like my, uh, he's the creme de la creme of doubles partner. Like he, he's also the very first straight man who's ever told me that he loved me. And that's like, that's the level of, I think so. Um, I was, I was like flabbergasted when he said it too. And I was like, James, I love you too, man. Also, we need to go row our race, but like, I'm glad we had this moment. That's um, so good. But That's we so were so, we were so communicative and so like on this next level of just like checking in with each other and checking in with the boat when we went out to row that it just made it work. Um, and it was super cool. And I've never had an experience like that with like in any other boat class with any other doubles partner like it's just it's been super good that's amazing yeah there is nothing like a good double that yeah I think did did I say quad or double I think I was quad last time he's a quad but I I'll stand by it I do love a quad but yeah no I when you do find that like it's like you know your partner partner right you you just gotta have some cohesive some cohesive blend that's oh I love that and we love straight men in touch with their feelings yeah. yeah that is wonderful john if you weren't rowing what sport would you do um yeah what sport would you want to be really good at hmm. god that's a great question <laughs> uh i think man judo Ooh. yeah judo Ooh. so I did okay. judo in middle school um, and I really enjoyed it, but it's really fucking difficult. Um, and when I watch it, like the only time it's ever on TV is when the Olympics are on. I get so wrapped up in it because it's like, it's kind of like watching soccer. You know, there's not a lot that's going on. There's not a lot that's going on. And, oh my God, they're getting close to the goal. Like they're going to take a shot on goal and it gets intense for a quick minute. And also because it's a throwing sport, like, people get flung like way through the air. Like it's, it's, it's just an insane amount of, it's not really acrobatics, but it's very dramatic combat, Cool, you know? So it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to do. It's really challenging because you both learn how to throw somebody, but also be thrown, Mm. um, which which is kind of ridiculous. But it, I really enjoyed it when I did it in middle school and probably want to continue doing it. That's such a, I, I don't even think I've ever thought of judo ever in my entire life. 
Well, now you have. You're welcome for that. <laughs> yeah. Now I get to think yeah. about it. And Lizzie, I will probably go watch a ton of YouTube videos about it. I think Lizzie just wants yeah. to throw and be thrown. Nothing wrong with that. We can we can unpack that another day. Here, <laughs> <laughs> you just want to be thrown in. The, in no, I'm quite all right. I'll put my feet on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> I I am someone who will try anything once. Mostly food. But Fair. Yeah, life fine. is about being adventurous. I think that just about wraps up our episode for the week. Any well, any closing thoughts by you two? Um, I'm thrilled to get to talk to you, John. Uh, it's fun getting to learn more about you because I feel like I know Dave, your partner, so much better. Um, so thanks for being here and putting up with us. <laughs> Yes. Thank you so much for agreeing to our shenanigans. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks. I'm at once honored and grateful to be a guest on this podcast uh, and love both of you very much. Um, and I'm happy to help you spread the gay agenda all over the world. Yeah. Please do. Please do. We're happy to have you again. Absolutely. Perhaps we'll bring Dave on too, since he's in yeah. the rowing world. Couples, couples. That'd be, that'd be so much fun. We can definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> couples, couples who pod. Would it at that point become a gaggle? Like it's no longer just a like just a group. It's a gaggle of people. A gaggle. Yeah. Like a, like a gaggle of geese, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I hate those geese. We always hit them on the river. <laughs> I swear to I swear to God we've decapitated. Yeah. We gotta end this. We gotta end this. <laughs> Goodbye. Thanks so much for listening and an extra special thank you to John for coming on. If you have any questions about coastal rowing, you've gotta follow John along on Instagram. His handle is at Olbreeze with a zero, so it's zero L B R Y S on Instagram. Give us a follow at Gay Ergos. Stay speedy, stay queer, and we'll catch you next time.